0: Radio studio at the George Washington Broadcast Center. Jack Armstrong and Joe Getty. The Armstrong and Getty Show.
1: How you doing? What you looking at? How you doing? Um, I had something I was going to bring up important, but then a, a serious thought flipped into my head, but then I pushed the serious thought out because we've got too many serious topics we've been talking about lately. So I'll save the series mm. for later. But that original thought that was pushed out, it's vanished. It's on the tip of your tongue. It's gone forever. It got pushed out by serious, serious news, which we have going on all the time. And not that we should ignore things like school shootings. And I don't want to. When I was a boy, I caught a fleeting glimpse
4: out of the corner of my eye. I turned to look, but it was gone. I cannot put my finger on it now. The child is grown. The dream is gone. Roger Waters wrote that line of Pink Floyd. It's one of the most beautiful lines and heartbreaking of any music I've ever heard. And he's a crazy (laughs) a-hole. On the other hand, J.K. Rowling, who's hella good at writing wizard stories, might be even better at common sense and as a social commentator. She gave an interview that I found just terrific, um, that I'm going to reference in a couple minutes.
1: Is We're it kind of leading our way there? Is it on the topic she's most known for other than wizardry, trans oh.
4: issues? Uh, yes. Yes. And she is so thoroughly sane, reasonable, and kind. The idea that she's being portrayed as some sort of hateful monster tells you everything you need to know about who's a hateful monster and who's not.
1: Is there any move to get rid of Harry Potter books anywhere? Yeah, oh yeah. Among your,
4: your radical, uh, you know, progressive, woke, trans
1: activist lunatics, uh, Harry yeah, Potterville, she's, she's or, persona non grata. Whatever that Harry Potter thing is, they got to, to Universal Studios. That seems to be very popular. People don't. See me. How how did the Sorting Hat choose her to be the voice of uh, trans resistance? I mean, is, is that just a, why is it an issue she cares so much about? I think I think it's because
4: she was so beloved by the very young people who are now the the brutal woke army. I mm. think they felt betrayed, so had quite the spasm of, oh. of uh, indignation. Right. Okay. Yeah. Anyway, so uh, leading up to that conversation, um, looking at the clock, well, we'll see what we can squeeze in. If we have to take a break, we'll take a break. But
1: um, that's my there's band a- playing tonight. By the way, spasms of indignation. We don't go on the stage until one in the morning. Wow, wow, too late for old people. Anyway, uh, there's this young woman
4: who is suing uh, the Kaiser Foundation hospitals um, for performing a double mastectomy on her when she was just 13 years old. Oh,
1: my God. How is that legal?
4: Yeah, it's experimental sex change surgery on children. Now, the progressives are trying to call it gender affirmation medical care. Right. Denying children medical care. There's a reason people twist the language, and it ain't because they like words. It's because they like to disguise the truth. But anyway, now 18 years old, um, this, this woman, whose last name is Jane, is accusing a hospital system of intentional fraud and concealment involving her gender transition, alleging the doctors pushed her in the procedure and characterized her gender transition as the only way to treat her pre-existing mental health problems. Uh, She said, I don't think I should have been allowed to change my sex before I was legally able to have sex. I don't think I'm better off for the experience. I think transitioning just completely added fuel to the fire that were my pre-existing emotional conditions. She had previously struggled with mental health, including suicidal ideation, before deciding to transition going into adolescence. This is what I've talked about so many times and why permanent quote-unquote solutions for confused adolescents are obscene because I've raised three adolescents. I've coached them by the dozens and dozens and dozens, volunteered, mentored. The, the things troubled, alienated kids think for a little while would shock the hell out of you if you haven't been around them or you haven't, well, been, have, haven't dealt with it since you were one.
1: Yeah, and it sounds like we may have had someone dealing with that very... Fang, who shot up a school the other day, trying to decide who they are, what they are, what's going on. So, again, to this lawsuit, because there's more
4: to it, um, uh, alleged that doctors warned her of an increased risk of suicide if she failed to transition to male, adding that they gave her parents a binary option of living with a live son or suffering the consequences of having a dead daughter. Oh, my God. She stated she suffers from a plethora of issues, including body dysmorphia, anxiety, depression, pubertal struggles, according to a letter from her attorneys, et cetera, et cetera. Um, And it's just it's so troubling. This poor kid moving along. I found this so interesting, and this is all leading up to the J.K. Rowling thing, which I think really brings it home. The Washington Post had an article that didn't get a lot of attention recently.
1: Yeah, I'm, sh- I'm shocked that that's legal anywhere, to do a double mastectomy on a 13-year-old. Well, and as we're leading up to, to even say,
4: excuse me, given that these are kids and are emotionally confused, is doing something permanent a good idea? Merely asking that question makes you a transphobe and a hater and someone who's encouraging violence and suicide. The attacks are vicious.
1: But are there any other surgeries that we do around emotional, mental things?
4: Boy, what an interesting question!
1: I don't. Never think mind so.
4: the the permanent alterations that a lot of powerful hormones can do to people's bodies. Yeah, wow. Yeah, that's a really good question. So anyway, um, uh, this Washington Post article, the title of which was, "Most Trans Adults Say Transitioning Made Them More Satisfied with Their Lives." And it's an interesting bit of editorializing that commits a number of logical fallacies that are pretty easy to pick apart. I'm not going to go into detail for time, but uh, one of the most notable ones is, um, as any psychologist will tell you, self-reporting is is lying. You have no good data if people are self-reporting. Just because people have their their delusions and their desires. And if somebody makes a gigantic major permanent life change, they are desperate in their own hearts and souls to say it was a good idea because it's so enormously painful to say it wasn't. Anyway, the part of this article that just struck the hell out of me and it's gotten no attention is they asked this, this big survey, said, which of the following best describes how you think of yourself? Post-transition. 22% said, I think of myself as transgender non-conforming. So I'm not, quote-unquote, a woman. Or, quote-unquote, a man. I'm non-conforming. That's 22%. 40% consider themselves trans non-binary which is essentially the same thing as the other ones, we're up to 62%. 22% consider themselves a trans woman. 12% of these, 12% of them consider themselves a trans man. So the vast majority of these people get gender-affirming surgery, but then don't really think of themselves as a man or a woman. Right. That's so awesome. why did you have your genitals altered? And I'm asking because I want to know. I'm not trying to be smug and act like something's a rhetorical question. And if it's not, well, is it the narrative is this is a woman. The reason this person can be in a locker room with a penis even is because they're a woman, period, full stop. But not according to the huge majority of these people who've transitioned. Hmm. Then you've got yet another story about a woman cycling champ who's quit the sport because she keeps being beat by biological men. Got a Minnesota law that's modeled after California that's going to take custody away from any parent who says, whoa, no permanent surgical interventions for my child. Minnesota will take away custody because you are a child abuser for saying, whoa, I need to ask these questions, folks. This is how far it's gotten you would actually have to move. Yes. Yeah, Minnesota and California are doing this. It's not it's it's moving forward. It's not like some backbench lunatic is proposing this legislation. Gavin Newsom has sworn that that's what California must be. Now, I, you know, I, I did a bunch of different stuff, kind of squeezed it together. Why don't we take a break and I'll come back with the J.K. Rowling interview that I thought was so good and so sane and decent and kind and loving and not hateful toward anybody, especially transgender people. So we'll do that in a moment.
3: Awesome.
2: That's ChumbaCasino.com.
4: No purchase necessary. BDW group. Void prohibited by law.
2: See terms and conditions 18 plus. Good song. The Johnny
5: Carson theme, right? Hey, who wrote that? Skip, who do you think? It's your buddy.
6: Hi, everyone. I'm Paul Anka.
5: And I'm Skip Bronson.
6: And what happens when two old friends take their decades of experience in the business and entertainment worlds
5: and sit down with our buddies? You get our way.
0: The Armstrong and Getty Show.
1: You probably should take a look at that uh, horrifying shooting from a couple of days ago. The latest it takes several days for news to sort out. Like the amazing, heroic, what you expect police response to finding out they got a live shooter in a school, which is was just absolutely fantastic. We know more about the uh, murderous scumbag. Uh, who believes little kids should die. Um, we know about more about that person than the dynamics there. And what does that mean for trying to stop these things in the future? I don't know. Right, right. So uh, talking about a number of topics, uh, trans-related,
4: of course, we're not maniacs. We're not trying to claim that the shooting was caused by that, per se, or anything. But uh, that sort of thing's in the news a lot. And this uh, interview with J.K. Rowling I found so interesting. If you didn't hear the previous segment, by the way, grab it via podcast It's, uh, what is this, Hour 3, Armstrong and Getty On Demand. Um, So there's this podcast called The Witch Trials of J.K. Rowling that apparently is all about the controversy around her and the things she said about uh, transgender people and women's rights and men in women's locker rooms and males in female prisons and, and the rest of it. and. And, and women comp- or biological males competing in sports, she has a very sane, reasonable view that those things are crazy. But the host um, hit her with some of the criticisms that have been directing, directed at her. Uh, this one woman accused her rowling of indirect bigotry, which means instead of using direct slurs toward marginalized people, she says she's just asking questions or expressing concern all while undermining people's rights. And J.K. Rowling responds, I see this constantly. And the most frequent example of that is they're pretending to be concerned about children. It's not about the children. They really hate trans people. Now, if you're saying the indirect bigotry is asking questions where you believe significant harm is done, if you're saying indirect bigotry is standing up for women's rights, then you know what? Guilty is charged. I think it is a very bad faith argument to say that people who are asking questions are being indirect bigots because you know that in itself is a very bad faith position. Yes, put that host in Slytherin, clearly a bad person. Then the interviewer pressed Rowling on the accusation that she believes trans women are second class women because of their biological differences and they're not quite women. And this answer, I'm surprised I haven't heard this elsewhere. They ask her, can you understand the pain that that could cause? And J.K. says, yes, is the short answer. Yes, I can understand that. The thing is, women are the only group, to my knowledge, that are being asked to embrace members of their oppressor class unquestionably with no caveat. Now, on an individual basis, and I think many people new to this argument would see it on that level because many people of my generation particularly think that we're talking about old-school transsexuals, people who have been through full sex reassignment because of profound gender dysphoria. And I feel 100% compassion for such people, and I would absolutely respect their pronouns. Always have, always will. And would want, as I say, them to have comfortable, easy lives. This new movement, though, is pressing for something different. Very different. This movement is argued and continues to argue that a man may have no surgery whatsoever, but he feels himself to be a woman. The door of every women's bathroom, changing room, rape center should be open to him. And I say no. I'm afraid I say no. Drawing that real line of demarcation. It's not just you say, yeah, I'm a woman. Uh, No, you don't get to, quote unquote, be a woman and intrude on women just because you say it. Uh, And we're in a cultural moment where that individual's hurt is being prioritized over the hurt of women whose rights and boundaries are under sustained assault. And I think it's interesting to ask why the pain of one group is being prioritized over the pain of other groups. When confronted by critics who say her comments are giving fuel to the right, Rowling fired back, you're giving fuel to the right. And they're talking about, uh, you know, the far right or the very intolerant religious right. Those are not my words. I'm just, you know, anyway. Um, She says, this is why so many left-wing feminists in particular are sitting with their heads in their hands. And it's worth pointing out, she is by every definition a liberal. The right has wanted for years and years and years, not all of the right, but certainly some, have wanted to castigate the lesbian gay movement as inherently degenerate. And part of the left's broader degeneracy. When well, you defend that,
1: the place, go ahead. I mean, that's so like 1980. I mean, that view. I mean, how many how many people are, have that view today?
4: Well, Vladimir Putin and some people on the right do, um, for religious reasons. And I'm I, I don't want to go there. That's not you know the point of the segment. But. Um, But she says, when you defend the placing of rapists in cells with women, you're handing the right a perfect opportunity to say, you see, we told you the moral degeneracy that would result if you say homo relationships are okay. Homosexual relationships are okay. I think for many leftists and many feminists, we're despairing at the fact that people are, in our view, colluding with a deeply misogynistic movement, which is benefiting, politically speaking, the far right. And then she went on to slam the left, which she said she still aligns herself with, but that they're increasingly puritanical and authoritarian and judgmental. Something she warned is pushing swaths of people, not just to the right, but the alt right. Well, I would suggest that the left is no longer the left. It has become a fascist
1: movement where questioning the doctrine is not permitted. And Um, and misogyny is a difficult term if you're going to have a lot of people who don't believe that there's such thing as a gender at all anyway. I don't even know what that means. Right.
4: Yeah, that's a good point. I think the left is making a tremendous mistake in espousing this kind of quasi-religious, incredibly witch-hunting behavior, because there will be people who just feel like they've been shamed and abused, and they feel unfair. Where are they going to go? And then finally, I had to throw this in. This is the sort of people we're dealing with. There are claims she's being contradictory by writing books about children who have the autonomy to make big decisions while opposing children who want to receive medical treatment as part of a gender transition. That's the dumbest she, thing I've ever heard. <laughs> I know. She says, those are fantasy books. <laughs> We're dealing with the real world here. We're dealing with children, in my view. We're being persuaded that a solution for all distress is lifelong medicalization. That's real world harm. There's no closing the book and walking away. That's the dumbest argument I've ever heard. <laughs> and finally, i got to squeeze this in. I genuinely think that we are watching one of the worst medical scandals in a century. Yeah. And I believe those who should have known better, I'm talking about medical people, those who have cheered this on and questionably creating a climate in which people trying to raise red flags have been
1: intimidated and silenced. Yeah, history is not going to treat this period well, I don't think. If you miss an hour, grab the podcast Armstrong and Getty on Demand.
2: Armstrong and Getty.
0: The Armstrong and Getty Show. Minutes Minutes before the rampage, a friend and former teammate of Hale says she got a message from the shooter that Hale wanted to die. One day, this will make more sense. I've left behind more than enough evidence, but something bad is about to happen.
5: So at 9.57, I received a message from her. um, And at 10.08, I sent the screenshot to my dad and uh, he instructed
1: me to call the suicide prevention. All right. Uh, so the murderous uh, lunatic texted a friend. I'm going to do something big. This is a suicide note. This is not a joke. You'll see about it on the news. Yeah, et cetera, et cetera. And uh, I, I don't know uh, who knows who knows what's going through the uh, mind of a crazy person. Um, which is I don't why I don't assign a whole bunch of bigger picture stories to these things regardless of their politics or gender or whatever else cuz you'd have to be so crazy especially if it's kids like when it's coworkers you got to be a lunatic to kill your coworkers but you can imagine it i mean can't you, i mean you can like you can understand where it comes from can't you
4: it's an entirely different level of insane, right, to target innocent yeah, little you're,
1: children. You're, you're yeah, you're insane to get mad enough at your coworkers that you go in there and kill them. But we can all imagine being mad at our coworkers and feeling right. really, there's no way you can possibly come within a million miles of understanding why you'd shoot a nine-year-old you've never met. Right. Mm-hmm. It's just, it, it's crazy as anything. So here's, a, to get to the guns part of it, where'd the guns come from? How many? Here's a report from CNN.
0: Go, 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 go. Body cameras reveal police running toward the sound of gunfire without hesitation. About three and a half minutes elapse between the time they go in the the and when they confront the shooter. Reload. Metro Nashville police said two officers opened fire, killing the shooter at 10.27 a.m., about 14 minutes after the initial call for help. Police still have not isolated what motivated Audrey Hale, a former student. But police did reveal Hale legally bought seven different weapons from five stores and was being treated for mental health issues. During the attack, Hale was armed with an AR-15, a 9mm pistol caliber carbine, and a 9mm handgun. A memorial growing outside Covenant Presbyterian.
1: A lot made yesterday of the being treated for mental health issues. Well, that could be everything from, you know, psychosis and a team of psychiatrists to you've got a doctor who gave you Wellbutrin because you're depressed, which is like a third of adults in the country. So which would be more or less meaningless information. Uh, Can't gloss over how amazing it is that those cops showed up immediately ran in the building and as you heard there within three minutes had the shooter dead by confronting the shooter i'd like to know more i gotta believe police departments around the country are studying what is different about that response from the uvalde situation where you had the cops wait outside behind their cars for an hour and then lie to the media about everything that occurred what what, what Likewise, is the difference? parkland I,
4: florida yeah mm-hmm
1: And I'm just wondering if it's the one individual, if the one individual in charge made all the difference, because in this situation, if you watch any of the videos or read anything about it, you got a person shows up, says, we're going in now. And they go in as opposed to if the lead guy says, "Ah, I don't know, let's let's wait back here until vests show up or something. And then they start lying to the press. So you think, I guess we're lying to the press now. I, I don't know.
4: I have a think guess. that's. I think that's a lot of it. I mean, training is important, obviously. Any but any military uh, person, any cop, will tell you that. At the same time, though, speaking to the military, and we've both heard this from combat veterans, you never know who is going to be brave and resolute and a great leader in combat until it starts. And if you tried to guess, you'd probably guess wrong. You just don't know. And clearly, these cops in Nashville were the kinds of people you pray around the scene when there's danger to innocent people, they performed heroically. And that's an overused term these days. Right.
1: Absolute heroes. As opposed to the cops in Uvalde who wouldn't let parents who were willing to go in unarmed to try to stop it from happening. They were arresting them. Right. Right. It's just, it's, it's, it's wild. what it. Is. So I hope police departments are studying that to try to figure out what's going on. Uh, I hate to even get into this part of the story, but the the blowback that a lot of media organizations have taken for misgendering the shooter. Idiotic.
4: Idiotic. I won't have it. See the last two segments.
1: So most most news outlets went with she. On the day of the shooting, I wonder why, probably because it was a woman but she had started using a male name and going with he, him pronouns in the recent months. There's some story out, and this was in the New York Post, and then the link was gone, so I don't know if they pulled it, and it's like other tabloidy-type organizations that are reporting that her parents were not happy with her whole gender change thing recently. Mm-hmm. I have no idea, you know, I have no idea, but you can imagine a scenario where this person who had a number of issues had been flitting this way and that and was all over the place with all kinds of things. Yes. And the parents were like, yeah, no, I'm not going to all of a sudden do this because this is the latest thing you're into. Right. And, and, and she had purchased seven guns? Her parents told her she had to get rid of the guns she had because they didn't think she was mentally stable. And uh, she said that she did, but she ended up purchasing seven guns. I've never heard anything about her having a job. She's 28. She lives at home, apparently with no job and had enough money to buy seven guns, which isn't easy to do. But I don't know what's going on there. Yeah. Yeah.
4: Obviously, an incredibly troubled person. I mean in a lot of different ways to your point about the parents. I mean stop. Yeah, that's well she, you know, her parents were religious and didn't accept her transgenderism and well you 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 know, you know, they hint darkly at this is somehow justified. So many people in the media. We got a dozen examples of it. It's sickening, but here's a controversial take for you. And it's been a while since uh, either one of us has brought this up. Um I don't even know why I'm hesitating to say this. I watched the body cams. What? Cowardice? Cowardice? Uh, That's a pretty good explanation for a lot of hesitating to say things you know to be true. That's the way I. That's why I hesitate usually. Yeah. Um, uh, I watched the body cam videos of the incredibly courageous police officers, whose praises should be sung. Um, And at the point that they uh, shoot and um, neutralize the murder, the child murder kill her Um, it gets pixelated and blurry we need to start showing the bullet riddled corpses of the murderers you think it's glamorous you think it's cool you think you go out in a blaze of glory as some sort of anti-hero who's expressed your pain to the world no bullets are going to rip your face apart it's going to hurt bad you're going to lose control of your body faculties you're going to lie there misshapen and bloody it's not glorious. It's not fun. You're not proving
1: anything. You're about to be torn apart by bullets. Well, that's the we- That's the reason in the old days they did it, didn't they? That they showed pictures of Bonnie and Clyde or Jesse James or whoever the hell all bent up with your arms and legs pointing weird directions and, you know, bleeding all over the place. Is this how it ends up? I mean, it might seem cool at the time, but this is how it's going to end. Or hang them in public. Right. Same idea. Same idea. You think it's cool? How do you like this? And you pull so, the rope. So I uh, I haven't actually watched the videos. I did see that picture of her twisted up on the ground, and they blurred out her face. And I did wonder why did you blur that out? I mean, you just showed me pictures of a nine-year-old prior to them dying, but why? Well, uh, what? Yeah. Do you think it's because they shot her in the face? You know, one of the points
4: uh, that's uh, included in Dave Grossman's fascinating book on killing. Um, Which I encourage everybody to read. I mean, it's just it's amazing in a lot of different ways. But um, he points out how much closer to the bone death was uh, prior to like the, you know, I don't know, the second half of the 20th century. Grandpa would die at home. People would cry or pray or hold his hand one last time. The undertaker would show up, etc. If you're going to have chicken for dinner. Mom or grandma or somebody would go out in the pen, they would slaughter the chicken, or you know, whatever. Death was real. Now we're so removed from it, it's become fetishized. It's become something distant and difficult to imagine. And you can picture a troubled kid, especially, thinking of death as not permanent, not terrible, not the all the only experience they have of death is like on screen. When often it's you know kind of gl- glamor, glamorous or glamified or whatever, they don't understand the reality of it. So it makes it much easier to have this fantasy of I'm going to go out in a blaze of glory, proving to everybody how mad I am. And in the back of their minds, in a weird way, they think then I'll be happier. Not realizing, no, then you'll be nothing. Then you'll be a pile of bleeding meat. You won't be any human anymore. I I think we do ourselves a disservice by cleansing the reality of what they have done. There's yeah, a controversial take
1: for you. She was clearly suicidal. I mean, she sent a suicide note to her friend saying this is a suicide note. I'm serious. What's the leap between... I get suicide. What's the leap between... That and and I'm also going to kill some nine year olds. That's just crazy.
4: Yeah, that's that's just evil. It's evil and crazy. And you know who knows that some people react to certain um, uh, medications for emotional conditions uh, with a flattening of the emotion and their ability to uh, relate to the pain or anguish of other human beings disappears. I, I don't have the right mm-hmm. terms in front of me, and I apologize for that. But uh, your your uh, capacity for compassion, uh, disappears. Um, it's, it's like uh, induced psychopathy. And I just wonder whether somebody who's in that state or taking those medications. And again, it's not everybody. It's just some people think, well, why wouldn't I go ahead and do that? Because none of it matters.
1: Yeah, man. Um, that's just woof.
4: I'm going to commit um, suicide by cop. And the way to do that is to kill a bunch of people.
1: One I don't more. know. It's, e- it's evil, and it's crazy. One more point on the media coverage I want to hit you with, if you haven't heard it, because it's quite amazing. It's uh, it's quite a trick that a certain segment of society is playing on us. But first, we need to give you some news that could help you out a lot, don't we? I think we do. Oh, yeah, About that's right. Yeah, our, our friends and sponsors at Simply Safe, Simply
4: Safe Home Security, they make it easy to protect every inch of your home with advanced security tech powered by 24/7 professional monitoring, and that 24/7 professional monitoring costs under a
1: dollar a day less than half the price of traditional home security systems. And we've been recommending this for quite a while now, Simply Safe, but we're not the only ones. US News recently named Simply Safe the best home security system of 2023 cnet recently awarded them their editor's choice for home security and again like joe said about a dollar a day you install it yourself that's awesome Yep, it's amazing, and you customize
4: it for yourself, too. If you want primarily outdoor cameras, high-def, night vision, wireless, they have those, they have indoor stuff, they have sensors for flooding and fires, and you name it. Customize the perfect system for your home in just a few minutes at simplysafecom armstrong. Go today, claim a free indoor security camera, plus 20% off your order with interactive monitoring. That's simplysafecom
1: slash armstrong. There's no safe like simplysafe. You know, I want to make sure we get this right because it's important. Have you been following uh, this this whole thing of the, the, the trans community starting to buy guns and train up on them because they believe it's so violent out there? I've just become aware of that. Yeah, yeah it's it's something, um, and it fits in with the news story I was going to get into and in the in the horrifying shooting from the other day. Fill you in on that next if you haven't heard. It's pretty damned interesting. Our text line is 415-295-KFTC.
0: Armstrong and Getty.
2: Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life.
0: No purchase
4: necessary. BDW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
2: Good
5: song. The Johnny Carson theme, right? Hey, who wrote that? Skip, who do
6: you think? It's your buddy. Hi, everyone.
0: The
1: Armstrong and Getty Show. A rhetorical sleight of hand thing that goes on a lot in the media that you should be aware of that uh, Charles C. Cook of National Review pointed out yesterday. So NBC News had this headline. They tweeted this out. After the shooting, so this is from yesterday, fear pervades Tennessee's trans community amid focus on Nashville shooters' gender identity. We were already fearing for our lives. Now it's even worse. And Charles Cook writes, that tweet would have been identical, identical if the killer had been the victim. Whatever the impetus, the response is exactly the same. That is quite the trick. So yes, the shooter... Was trans, murdered some children, and now the trans community is fearing for its lives. And if the victim had been trans, and it had been a Christian who shot them, which I don't think is happening, um, then it would have been the same headline. So either way, you get the same were the victim and are afraid headline. Wow, that is
4: such a great insight. Isn't that something? Charles Cook, if you need him. Yeah, that's fabulous.
1: And... To that, and Tucker's been on this for the last couple of nights, I actually heard this story on NPR the other day, and it struck me as odd, too. They did a report about Rainbow Reload, which are groups that exist across the country, often called Pink Pistol Clubs. It's a place for uh, trans people to go to learn to shoot guns. So they're buying guns and learning to shoot guns and starting to carry con- concealed weapons, which I'm all for. Fine, Get, you know, you should be able to do that. Um To prepare and protect themselves from the how dangerous the world is against trans, which I don't know exactly what stats you're using, but it's a dangerous world for everybody. Listen to this quote from somebody who's trans who decided to get a gun and carry it on a regular basis. If the world is dangerous, then you have to be dangerous back. And that very much has pushed me into where I am now. And as Tucker Carlson been pointing out? And this is what I thought when I heard it. Wow. So you've come over to my side. So NPR is now saying, yeah, if the world is kind of dangerous and you got uh, criminals about, it's probably a good idea to have a gun and learn how to use it. Yeah, that's interesting. Yeah, um, here's another person. I went from concealed carry every once in a while when I was sort of feeling it to every single day because of reading the news and having a few experiences. But basically, it's just the idea that if you're afraid of crime or you go into areas where you don't feel safe, it'd be a good idea to have a gun. And know how to use it. So anybody else doing that. NPR would be appalled at. But apparently. If the trans community decides. They would like to have guns. To, pr- to protect themselves. It just makes sense. It would be terrifying. To spend five minutes inside the heads. Of some of
4: those people at NPR. But it would be fascinating too. So if I just don't want. My face bashed in. And my stuff taken. I have no right. To defend myself, no gun but only If makes my face worse. is going to be bashed
1: in over ideology, I do. Yeah, no, no. The the first example you use, no, introducing a gun always makes things worse and uh, and raises the likelihood of violence. So you should not have a gun to protect yourself in your home if somebody should break in or any other situation you can imagine. And obviously, in your liberal uh, counties. Cities, you can't get concealed, like where I live, you can't get a concealed carry because, you know, that's going to lead to more violence. But in this particular case, Rainbow Reload is a good idea. I'm actually on the side of Rainbow Reload. I think it is a good idea. If you're responsible, go ahead.
4: Okay, so they're not like forming some sort of militant militia that's going to go on the offensive.
1: No. They're just talking about self-protection. Yeah. But okay. all of a sudden, it's a good idea. Good for you. According to NPR. Wow. Wow. But uh, I could see how you would be extra concerned if the media is going to go out of its way to when even the perpetrator of horrifying murders is trans. It's twisted into a we're under assault story.
4: Right, right. Either way, same headline. That's, again, such a great insight. It reminds me of, uh, remember how the media rushed to fears of uh, Islamophobia, uh, Islamic Americans are frightened for their uh, safety after
1: 9-11. Right. It you was know. exactly the same thing. So if, uh, if, if a Muslim killed people, it was uh, got killed. Obviously, it was uh, they're under threat. And if it was the killer, then they were under threat. <laughs> right. If some,
4: quote, unquote, patriotic American leveled a mosque, it's the same headline as if militant Muslims level the World Trade Center.
1: That is quite the rhetorical trick. So, we do four hours of the show every day. If you miss an hour or any portion of it, you can get it in podcast form. Armstrong and Getty on demand.
3: Armstrong and Getty.
2: It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high-five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At ChumbaCasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses, so don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at ChumbaCasino.com.
4: No purchase necessary. VDW. Void prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.
2: Imagine you ask two people the same seven questions. I'm
3: Mini Driver, and this was the idea I set out to explore in my podcast, Mini Questions. This year, we bring a whole new group of guests to answer the same seven questions, including Courtney Cox, Rob Delaney, Liz Fair, and many, many more. Join me on season three of Mini Questions on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your favourite podcasts. Seven questions, limitless answers.
6: One of the best shows of the year, according to Apple, Amazon, and Time, is back for another round. We had a big bear of a man who was called Mal Evans, who was on roadie, and uh, mm-hmm. I was coming back on the plane, and he said, "Will you pass the salt and pepper?" And I misheard him. <laughs> I said, "What, Sergeant Pepper?" Listen to season two of McCartney: A Life in Lyrics on the iHeart Radio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.